All right. Another college football pod with Chris Wesling and Titus Majors. He'll be making some drop-ins here. Uh, we didn't record last week, recorded two weeks ago. It didn't get put up. We'll get into that at the end of the show. <clears throat> but a lot of things happening within the past two weeks since we recorded, and especially in the last three or four weeks since we've actually put a pot up. We got COVID running rampant, <laughs> dictating the college football schedule. We got big head coaches uh, with some big news in the headlines. All conferences are at play right now. Uh, and Georgia following got a quarterback. And Chris texted me last night. Yeah, instead of uh, me asking him about the pod, which I was meaning to, he texted me. He said he has some things to tell the nation. He's got to let got to let the nation know what's up about Georgia right now, feeling high, riding this JT Daniels train. But before we get into that and get into all the other topics, we're first going to start with the college football playoff rankings. The first rankings were released last night. Uh, Alabama 1, Notre Dame 2, Clemson 3, Ohio State 4. Then you have, surprisingly, Texas A&M 5, Florida 6, and Cincinnati 7. Chris, do you have any thoughts about this, takeaways? Um, I mean, it's pretty much what I expected going forward. I did think Ohio State would be 3 over Clemson. Uh, simply for the fact that they're undefeated still. Um, They did look kind of shaky against Indiana. Justin Fields did not have a good game with three interceptions, but he also carried the team with his rushing attack. So, But anyway, I mean, the only thing I have to really say is teams like Cincinnati and Northwestern, they're not going to make the playoff unless something unforeseeable happens. I don't know, like Ohio State drops two games or Notre Dame blows out Clemson in the ACC championship. But uh, teams like that should not be ranked higher than other teams. If we're doing the best teams, I don't think this is very accurate after the top five or six. Uh, I mean, I think the top four is pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh. With Texas A&M, and I just know Texas A&M is not number five. They only have one loss, which was to Alabama, and we we just spanked them. Florida trails behind them because their one loss is to Texas A&M. Yeah. And according to Will Muschamp – not Will Muschamp, sorry. We'll get into him later. Uh, Dan Mullen, according to him, Texas A&M pretty much cheated – with that whole uh, stadium being packed, practically. However, have I ever said how much of a crybaby Dan Mullen is? I cannot stand the dude. Yeah, we maybe, discussed this. He's an idiot. <laughs> maybe it's my hate for Florida, but that dude's a little baby. Yeah, baby I don't see how. Go ahead, finish it. Well, it'll get beat. So I'll just say baby back beep. He he definitely is one. If you let your wife kiss your players on the mouth, uh, you know, lined up like a brothel getting off uh, – it's like a brothel line getting off that bus walking into the stadium, I wouldn't want to kiss her, bro. Like, especially COVID times. I wonder if she's still doing that, if she's still kissing guys on the lips. I wonder – I bet, I bet she wears a mask and still kiss them. Uh, if I'm one of those players and she tried to kiss me during COVID, not only am I pressing uh, sexual assault, sexual assault, yep, charges against her, I'm gonna say like attempted murder or something because you know she could have yeah. gave him COVID and they could have died. I am surprised they placed Clemson behind Ohio State, but I think the reason why they did that is because of the performance Ohio State just put up against Indiana. And not Indiana. Was it Indiana? Yeah. It was yeah, Indiana. it was Indiana. 
Yeah, so, and Justin Fields looks really suspect. I think Justin Fields has a problem with he tries to do too much. And he has that typical problem that a young dual threat quarterback has, which is to throw or to run. And they're really quick to run after making that first, second read. I didn't watch the game too in-depth. I did see a decent amount of it. Um, But that's just what it seemed like to me. And that Indiana line was doing pretty good at penetrating uh, Ohio State's offensive line. Yeah, and Ohio State is really suspect on the back side of their defense. Like, their secondary play is not going to win them a national championship, especially with these elite quarterbacks that are – well, sitting at number one and number three right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. Can we throw Kyle Trask into that? Because I do have to make an apology to someone uh, earlier this year. Well, I'm not going to apologize to him, and I'm not going to mention his name, but he tried to tell me that Kyle Trask was the best QB in the nation. And at the time, he did have – he still had the most TDs, but uh, Matt Jones almost had three times the amount of yards – passing as he did but I'm pretty sure Kyle Trask now has the most yards or more than Mac Jones does but yeah Kyle Trask is uh single-handedly led that team I mean if I was a, a Heisman voter I'd probably have to vote for uh Kyle Trask yeah especially considering the fact that he didn't even play in high school his whole story is crazy oh he didn't no, he didn't even play in high school. Like, he never started. He never played in high school. He may have gotten some trash minutes. But he – Dan Mullen talked about it last year, how he saw something special in Kyle Trask. And it looks to be working out for him right now. What's crazy is I saw a comparison between him and uh, Joe Burrow through, what, six games? Um. Joe Burrow's season last year and Kyle Trask this year through six games or however many they've played. And the only thing that Joe Burrow is leading him in is completion percentage. And that's only by like 6%. I think it's 73 to 79%. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, so he, he's having a better year than Burrow. Oh, yeah. If they would maintain like a regular um, 12-game season, he'd probably definitely surpass him. Exactly. And, I mean, he's he's not just throwing to Pitts. Pitts is his go-to receiver. But he's th- I think they have like nine or ten receivers, not including running backs, that have uh, more than like ten receptions this season, which is ridiculous. Ohio State is slated at four because they're pissed for performance against Indiana. Also, I feel like the playoff committee always makes these decisions where people, you know, they zig when everybody else expects them, you know, to zag, go one way. And because the playoff committee really likes to let things play out, you know, because – Clemson and Notre Dame aren't going to stay at two and three because they're going to have to play each other again, I think, in the ACC championship. Um, or that's what they're banking on. So that's just going to work its uh, way out. So that's what they usually do. They always do that. They'll put the conference teams next to each other most of the time. Yeah, and that's how it's been. It's generally the SEC with two top teams. But this year we're seeing the ACC do it, and they generally do split them up. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I was, I know I mentioned weeks ago on one of these pods how I wanted Alabama to either be listed at one or four or something like that. I wanted us to avoid Ohio State and Clemson, but now I don't care. I've seen enough out of both those teams to not scare me and to think that even though Alabama's not a perfect team, they're a more well-rounded team than all the other ones in the nation, I believe. Oh, definitely. And I just heard today that uh, a few weeks ago, well, I guess before the Georgia-Alabama game, I was talking kind of trash on uh, Alabama's defense. But now not only do they have the number one off- offense uh, in the conference, but they also have – 
the number one national uh, scoring defense. So, oh, really? I didn't realize come, that. They've come full circle. I mean, after they only allowed Kentucky to score three, I'm sure that helped pad their pat pad their stats a good bit. Yeah, I'm. I haven't. I guess I haven't expressed publicly yet on this pod because I did it on the last one, but it didn't uh, see the light of day. Yes, Alabama's defense, which was a huge question mark going in and remained a question mark for a while, has finally made the pivot, the turnaround, and they're doing pretty good. They're still not where we want them, and the play calling is questionable at times. Communication is because – it's very surprising that Kentucky only got three points up on the board because they were able to move the ball at times uh, pretty well. It's just once they got around near the red zone, that's when they pretty much stalled out. But, yeah, there were definitely some holes like that Kentucky could have exposed and did expose. They just couldn't turn it into points. Yeah, and it was a close game. It should have been seven to six rolling into half. Yeah. But it wound up being seven three. And then no. we just absolutely pulled away in the second half. Big time. Yeah, which that's uh, that's what I like, though. That's what Alabama usually has been as a second-half team. And we usually start out slow. We re- And that defense has really had to rely on uh, second-half adjustments, getting back to the locker room. We pretty much just kind of test out other teams' offenses, get a feel for what they can do, what their strengths and weaknesses are. And then once we get into halftime, we just focus on what that team's doing really well, try to take that one or two things away from them, and it usually works. So I'm good with them. What do you think about BYU telling – like they have this – I guess it's their quarterback saying anyone, any place, any time or whatever. And oh, yeah. <laughs> Washington reached out to them and said, hey, let's play. And they said, eh, no, we're going we're gonna to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. So pretty much they're just going to use Washington as that play-in game. If they really need to, you know, still prove something to the committee and a few teams lose in front of them, um, yeah, I think that's what they're they're banking on. But I think that's pretty funny and hypocritical. But BYU, that would make them playing 13 regular season games, I think, because they're, they're slated for the full 12, I believe. Yeah, they've played uh, nine now. They played nine. Yeah. So shout out to BYU, though, because they've really, uh, them keeping the full season there and actually, you know, staying undefeated, it's pretty good. I mean, it's a better resume than a lot of other teams could, just for the fact that they have, they're going to have 12 games almost under the, yeah, belt, I, under the belt. I think a big portion of that has to do with the fact that it is a Mormon school. And you know how Mormons look down on, like, partying and alcohol and all this stuff. So, I feel like the coaches have them pretty pretty much on lockdown uh, yeah. when it comes to not being able to enjoy college life. Aren't, aren't Mormons anti-vaxxers? I, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, so I think that it wouldn't surprise me either. And especially the way they approach the season, I'm sure they are anti-vaxxers. They were just saying, hey, go get it. So you can be immune or something like that. I think they see the Lord as their vaccination. As their vaccine. Yeah, God is the only vaccine I need. But I did – I think it's interesting. I heard something today that uh, – like, and I, a thought behind them saying no to Washington is the fact that say they were to play Washington and they didn't have a chance to make it into the playoffs, which it doesn't look like they will – barring some sort of miracle. But uh, if they were to play Washington and lose, they wouldn't be able to make it to a New Year's Six Bowl, bowl game. Oh, really? So I think some some folks are saying that the reason that they, uh, they didn't play or they're not agreeing to play is because they want to hold on to the hopes that they'll have a New Year's Six Bowl, which will in turn lead them to a higher standing next year as well. Because – if they have an undefeated season or if they lose a closely fought New Year's Six Bowl game, then it's still going to look good on them next season. And there's also talk that uh, there's a possible opening for them to play Cincinnati down the road. 
I think that's kind of why they want to wait it out just to see what Cincinnati does. Maybe because if I were them, I'd rather have a Cincinnati game too because that's a game, you know, that's a team that's right in front of you. So you need that game. Exactly. Well, moving on to our second segment, we are going to label as men of balls, footballs to be exact. And to be more exact on men, head coaches, football head coaches. There's been some that have been making the headlines recently. We are going to start with the man in Clemson, Dabo. <laughs> Talking that mad trash. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> first I'm going to play what uh, Todd just sent in. We'll get his reaction and we'll follow up on it. What's good, everybody? Um, yeah, Levi, thank you. Chris, what up? Uh, I'm recording this because, you know, I'm indisposed at the moment. So, um, I just want to get my thoughts out there because I think something need to be said. Dabble Sweeney's a clown and he's behaving like a clown and kind of over his whole stick, his whole personality. Um, kind of sick of it. Um, so, Dabo is mad that he let a symptomatic, not an asymptomatic, a actual symptomatic dude practice all week and then Dude ended up having corona, testing positive, and he traveled with the team. And Florida State's medical staff's like, no, nah, we're not we're not gonna play that. We're not gonna play y'all. So Dabo's mad that someone dared to care about not risking corona for their for their football program. And also, we're willing to reschedule the game and Dabo's just being a petulant clown child complaining and doing this media run about, oh, they just afraid of Clemson football. They didn't want to play against the Clemson Tiger football. He's he's a clown. I'm kind of over him. He's he, he, um I've given Dabo a lot of leeway on a lot of things, but now it's just getting old. He's jumping the shark, as they say. I'm, I'm over Dabo. <laughs> so, one hundred. Dabo lets one of his players. Uh, I don't even know who this player is. I don't think they're allowed to say, but uh, he was showing symptoms all week. Wasn't testing positive, but gets on the plane, gets down to Florida State in Tallahassee, take another test. And it comes up uh, positive, which I think I got that reversed. Did I say positive earlier? He kept taking tests throughout the week, even though he's showing symptoms. And he was coming out negative and then gets to Tallahassee, go positive. Reports are Clemson medical directors, uh, Florida State medical directors. They couldn't really decide on what to do. I think they pretty much both thought it was best for them not to play. So they ended up not playing. They had to get back on the plane. Pretty much took a trip for nothing. And Dabo was mad about it. Blames uh, FSU for the reason why they didn't play. Uh, pretty much said they were scared. And so did Trevor Lawrence. He said that in a tweet that got deleted not far after he tweeted it. Your thoughts? I agree with Titus 100%. I just think, I mean, I would have liked to see him play. And, yes, I do kind of think Florida State wiped their brow and was like, whew, thank God for this. Like, kind of like LSU not playing Alabama. Like, oh, thank goodness. But at the same time, in the day and age that we're living into, you can't be that insensitive to, like, situations like this. It's just like Dan Mullen running his mouth about having – a full crowd down in the swamp, and then 87 players or some, something like that on his team come affected with it. But Dabo, the, people need to see better from head coaches like that, especially when they're in positions of power in which they they influence a lot of people in this nation. Like mm-hmm. College football is one of those things where, like, we may not be able to agree on a lot of things in this country right now, well, college football is one thing that brings us together every year, no matter what. Yeah, with Dabo, we've on the show, whether college football pod or just our regular, not the experts, we've talked about Dabo a lot. And I've talked about how he's a sore winner. He's the whiniest, most annoying winner there is. Um, he's always claiming people are disrespecting him and disrespecting the Clemson football program, which is more intrinsic because we're all sitting around thinking, who's disrespecting you? But I've said this before, it's all intrinsic disrespect. 
uh, Dabo has a hard time respecting himself because even though he's got a few rings, he knows they're not real. And he knows they've been cakewalks uh, of regular seasons walking to the playoff. And to establish his legacy, that's why he'll go to Alabama and go try to win uh, rings at the SEC level. But with all my, uh, you know, disdain for Dabo, I'm going to take the opposite approach on this one, and I'm going to give him a shout-out for the spin cycle. Don't take the blame, even though it's clearly yours to take. Push it off on Norville and call him a wuss and tell him they're they're scared. So I like it. Shout-out to Dabo. He has a little bit of ground to stand on, which it did cost the school, what, like $30,000, something like that, yeah, to travel down like there that. and get all ready and everything. But at the same time, it's it's his fault. Like, Yeah, it is. I, I don't know why you let a player keep practicing and let him come with your team, um, even though he's showing symptoms. <laughs> Especially when it's a team like Florida State, and he has he knows he has so much more on the line at the end of the season, like Florida state should not be the team that you send a COVID infected player to play. Well, speaking of COVID and head coaches, big news broke today that Nick Saban is now definitely positive. No false positive today. Uh, And he's showing mild symptoms with COVID and they've already announced that he will not be at the game or coaching which is, I'm pretty sure, is still an NCAA violation. They made that happen in the rule book. Can't coach from home or you got to be there or be square. So um, I'll let Titus's take play first. He kind of beat me to the punch on one of my takes, but here we go. Uh, Nick Saban's second run-in with, well, first official run-in with Corona, I guess. Hopefully he's okay. He'll up Saban. Levi, I know you're going to try and use this as an excuse for why Auburn beats Alabama this weekend. Uh, Gus Malzahn gets another seven-year contract. But I'm going to clown you if, I, if y'all lose, just so you know that you will be getting clowned if y'all lose to Auburn. I just want you to fully understand that fact. Please be aware of it and understand it. Okay, Titus, I see you, buddy. But And you're right, you know me. That's the take I'm going with. We may end up losing this game to uh, Auburn because some freaky stuff always happens when we play Auburn. Thankfully, we're in Tuscaloosa this year. Because the real freaky stuff always goes down at Jordan Hare, even though Brian Denny isn't free from the freaky stuff. Yeah, if if we lose this game, I'm okay with it. As long as Gus Malzahn gets that contract extension and that Gus bus stays docked or parked, whatever, in Auburn on the Plains. Because I know we're still going to the SEC Championship either way, and a win in that championship game puts us in the playoffs. But it may be without Saban, I think it will be a little bit of a morale uh, decrease in the team. And we're definitely going to start out slow. So it's all going to be about how we're going to respond in the second half. Yeah. Only thing I got to say about this really is, uh, I guess it turns out that Saban can't just destroy everybody and everything. So I'm glad to yeah. see that. And now the bright the bright side of this is say Alabama loses, they're not gonna be number one and going into yeah. the playoffs. So yeah, we're like, not looking at playing Ohio State anymore. Yeah, and a loss is always a good thing. Coaches um Nick Saban, he he likes a regular season loss that doesn't completely ruin their season because it gets the morale up. It gets them mad and lets them know what losing tastes like. But also I don't really see Auburn winning this game just because our defense is a lot better <laughs> than it was last year. And that Auburn offense is no, it does not have the capabilities in my opinion to put up another 40 plus point game, you know, Two of those touchdowns were pick sixes. And with our scoring defense now that I know is number one in the nation, we're coming for revenge, and I think we'll get it, with or without Saban. And as of now, I think he's going to play too, but I'm pretty sure if uh, Tank Tank. Bigs- yeah, if Tank's not at full capacity, 
that's going to swing the momentum and the odds tremendously in Alabama's favor because Bo Nix cannot do it by himself. It's impossible. Well, that brings up my uh, semi-weekly, whatever, whenever we do this pod, my segment of uh, hashtag tampering for Tank. Come on, Tank. Come to Alabama. They're not doing anything for you in Auburn. Screw Auburn. Come get a ring in Alabama. Last head coach that we're going to talk about, besides Muschamp later on, is the head coach of Indiana. I love that guy. Made an impassioned uh, speech. We've seen him get emotional a few times now this year. And the guy loves football. He's uh, a man of balls for sure. Shout out to our new favorite coach in Indiana for the Hoosiers, that super intense dude whose name I forgot. But shout out to him because that dude has a lot of energy and he's kind of crazy and kind of scared of him. Kind of respect him at the same time. Not, I, I wouldn't be scared of him. I'm not scared of that man, but I would love that man so much. I would want to run through a brick wall for him. Yeah, his, it's Tom Allen. Oh, I can't oh Tom Allen. Said. Yeah. Tom Allen like, is, I'm pretty sure, like a comedian or something. <laughs> yeah, he's an actor. Okay. What is what is that slogan they have? I saw the – I was watching a college game day, and they did a big story on them. What is it, like L-Y-E or – or it's like LEO. What does LEO stand for? They never, I never oh. caught what it. I'm looking it up. Love each other. Oh, see, I thought that, it was. I mean, that's very, very yeah. appropriate, though. That's a very uh, Tom Allen thing. But yeah, if have you listened, have you heard his uh, post game speech? I didn't see his post game. I saw his pre game or oh. pre week. All right. It's in the locker room. I want you to listen to me carefully. Eyes on me. We feel sorry for ourselves. We didn't play our best football. You know it, I know it. But you didn't quit. You didn't quit. You fought him. You got character. You got something to you. There's a lot of fun on me playing. Love for voting for you, Sammy. Yes, sir. We got to be close. And I'm checked off by the results. But I'm proud of you guys. And you fought. And you fought. And you fought. You stay together. Yes, Sammy. Yes, sir. You stay together. This team is special. There's special things ahead of you. Yes, Sammy. Yes, sir. Special things ahead of you. That's the truth. So you stay together. I love this football team, man. You got no idea. The good and the bad. Hell yeah. Tell him Allen, bro. That that makes me wanna fight for that man for the rest of my life. Let me sign up for the Tom Allen Secret Service because I wanna throw myself in front of a bullet for that man. You got you got to love a good coach like that. Heck coach yeah, who, dude! Especially after a tough loss. I mean, they were down. What were they down? Thirty-five, fourteen, uh, seven, yeah. twenty-eight to seven, and yeah. they fought their way back. That shows that shows that not only does he have confidence in his team with a speech like that, but his team has confidence in their coach. And like yeah. he's a he's a what do they call him? A players' coach. Mm-hmm. And. I'm not a big fan of those kind of coaches, honestly, because I don't think coaches should be buddy-buddy with their players. But a coach like that definitely deserves everyone's respect. Oh, yeah. I've gotten um, – uh, even though I didn't really agree with them and didn't think they were the best coaches, uh, like my high school football coaches, I received – we received a speech or two from them, uh, you know, at times after – I think one was after a win and one was after a loss, but they were those comebacks, you know, where it looked like the game could have been over early, which is what I thought it was going to happen because I thought Ohio State was just going to run up the score on them when it was like, I think, 14 to nothing or I don't know. But uh, no, it was like, uh, 
you said it earlier because Indiana did score seven pretty early. But, uh, yeah, that just makes me – I love that guy. It makes me want to do anything for that man. I'd go play Ohio State for that guy. Oh, for real. Yeah. And what he said was the truth. Like, uh, there's nothing more that a coach respects than uh, his team not giving up and still fighting. And big props to them for doing that because uh, they could have really just laid down, but they didn't. Kept fighting. 100. All right. Well, we'll segue from the Big Ten coach to the Big Team. Wisconsin just lost to Northwestern. Yes. Doing Wisconsin things. Uh, rest in peace, Wisconsin season. We hardly knew ye, but thankfully we don't have to watch them, you know, be boring in a in a conference championship or a big bowl game. So, you know, the football guys give it, the football guys take it away. Does Wisconsin and Ohio State play each other this year? Uh, because they usually avoid each other, don't they? Yeah, I think their normal matchup would be in the uh, championship. But, no, they do not play this year. Yeah, if they did, this is when I would say this is the year that Wisconsin beats Ohio State. Because usually when we're high on Wisconsin, they're usually an undefeated team going into the big games they, that they end up losing. But since they went ahead and got that loss out of the way, I was going to have them as my pick to beat, to upset Ohio State this year. But they don't play each other, and they probably won't play in the Big Ten Championship. So – yeah, RIP Wisconsin. Good run. Gone. <laughs> Gone too soon. What a disappointment. That team looked like it was going to be really good after the first week. Yeah, they did. And I remember when we used to huddle up in the in my room in the old frat shack. We play NCAA. What was that, 2010 yes. with Tebow? Or maybe it was 11 on the cover. But anyway, Wisconsin was one of my go-to teams, and I've always loved Wisconsin simply just because the way they run the ball. Like, they got those big old corn-fed boys up front Mm -hmm. doing the dirty work, and to see them just shit the beds. Yeah, Yeah, uh, Wisconsin, Titus is a big fan of their running backs. Uh, I can't remember exactly why. I, I know he says he likes the way they uh, run, but I think he also likes them or finds it funny that they haven't had success yet in the NFL, even though they'll have, like, the top rushers every year. Besides, Jonathan Taylor is now doing something with Indianapolis, so you can kind of take him out of that. But, uh, yeah, Wisconsin's success comes from their big man up front, traditional Wisconsin cheese, corn-fed guys. Exactly. Yeah, they lost to Northwestern 17-7, one of the most boring games ever. I watched the majority of it. I was in and out, though, because it was just so boring, so much punning. We'll get to Northwestern, but next we're going to move on to Michigan. Michigan, uh, the Michigan-Harbaugh breakup. Michigan has one more year of Harbaugh, and I feel bad for them. Because nobody, that's something that nobody wants to get out of. Nobody wants to be in. That's a marriage nobody wants to be in, but no one can afford a divorce. So everybody's just kind of stuck there for the kids hanging out, I guess. Um, so I wish them the best of luck with that last year because he had a crazy buyout next season. Yeah, so Harbaugh, we talked about this before on the show. Me and Titus have at least. Harbaugh was one foot in, one foot out going into the season. He's practically begging people to take him away from Michigan or begging Michigan to please fire him. Uh, but they don't want to do it because – they love Jim Harbaugh. He's a Michigan man. And that money. Uh, it's a lot of money for that buyout of this contract. Um, so, yeah, Michigan's just going to stay stagnant, I guess. But will this be the year, though, that Michigan pulls off the upset? If maybe Ohio State's going to overlook them, they're not looking that great. Hey, you know what? I'm going to call it right now. Michigan's going to be Ohio State next week. Go ahead. Place your bets on it. If I was a betting man, which I find myself to be, uh, I would definitely place money on Michigan just because you win more money that way. 
But yeah, like he said, they got they got this year, and they'll probably have one more year, and then adios, amigo, for Harbaugh. Yeah, unless some NFL team is going to come pick up Harbaugh over the offseason, he's going to be stuck in Michigan for one more year. Unless Harbaugh makes some type of agreement with Michigan that they don't even, you know, just terminate the contract. You don't don't even worry about the buyout. Just go ahead, look for another guy. Because I don't think Harbaugh really wants to be there anymore. He's miserable. Yeah, he thought it was a good idea when he – I'm sure he was kind of happy or feeling – what's the word I'm looking for? Excited for the opportunity at the beginning. But, I mean, if you just look at his record, he is, he's not a good college football coach. No. Well, oh, 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 I, don't, I wouldn't say college football. I mean, he did pretty good at Stanford. Okay, he's not a good Michigan college football coach. Yeah, he's, he's not a good Michigan coach, yeah. <laughs> no, he's two and five in his bowls. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Like, that's the, been the biggest shock is Harbaugh not working out at Michigan because all of us or a lot of us thought, wow, Michigan's going to take back over the Big Ten and it's, you know, going to be that classic – one-two punch of Michigan and Ohio State duking it out for top seed in the Big Ten. And that's been an absolute failure. So I'm going to feel bad for Harbaugh because uh, what if they end up winning and they offer him this fat extension and he gets high, and he's so high off the win of finally defeating Ohio State, he takes that extension. He'd be a sucker. Yeah, it's kind of like when a abusive spouse or uh, partner, you know, they abuse you mentally, physically, but one day they come home and they apologize for everything they've done for you. They know you're about to walk out the door, got the divorce papers ready, and uh, you come home with a brand new car for them and you apologize. Take them out on a nice date that night and say, I want to be a changed man from here on out. And then a few months later, it's back to the same old, same old. And a few months later, they find a, a ding in the door from a shopping cart, and that's that's the next ding on your face if you're the opposite. Yeah, you uh, you only get to save money on makeup for a few months, and then it's back to uh, double double layering on the face so your friends don't know that you're that exactly. clumsy and you keep running into the doorknob. And Nebraska football, I don't know why you fought so hard to come back. Know your know your place next time, huh? Know your role. Uh, anyway, Levi, Chris, give it back to y'all. Thank you. It's tight. It's not the experts. Peace. I'm pretty sure there's reports that we might not see Scott Frost again next year at Nebraska. He shouldn't be back. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure uh, not just the Big Ten hates him, but – Nebraska does now for sure. All the money they spent, all the hopes they got high on, and then he pretty much came in and wrecked their marriage. Uh, Nebraska's marriage was a conference. So, yeah, he's made it hard on everybody. So I'm pretty sure they just want Scott Frost out. I will tell you, though, you know who's not upset with Scott Frost? Who's that? That would be Illinois. Did you see their athletic Twitter page after the game? (laughs) Yeah, um, they tweeted go good game. They tweeted good game, Nebraska. Thanks for bringing back Big Ten football. Yes, savage expert of the week goes to uh, whoever runs that account. That was a great tweet. Yeah, we need more of that in college football. Oh, oh! So apparently, Scott Frost threw his players under the bus after losing to Illinois, which was this Saturday when they played Illinois? Yeah, it was. He said after the game, I didn't really see this coming. I was embarrassed by our level of execution in all three three phases. It was almost like our team thought, we won one game. We're good. (laughs) Well, that one game was against the worst team in the Big Ten right now, so. Yes. I want – they shouldn't be 
too happy about that. But still, the buck stops with the head coach. Exactly. And that's kind of the theme of uh, men of balls. All right, so I think that wraps up uh, the big team. F y'all, get out of here. So SEC, Georgia football. Um, before I give you the floor, Chris, I got to play Titus's last take, which is on Georgia. Um, Georgia, I wonder how it feels to have a quarterback. Hope it feels good. Hope you enjoy that. Um, I still don't. I feel like we're six weeks into the season and still have no idea who's good in college football. How many weeks we are deep into the season? Everyone's through various weeks, I guess, but we still have no idea who's actually good. All these teams seem kind of mid. Uh, what else did I have? I had something else I wanted to I wanted to hit on. Um, shout out J C Daniels. You know, uh, I guess Georgia fans can now stop pretending like they like mediocre quarterback because they might actually have a decent one now. So that must be nice for you guys to actually, you know, look at a quarterback and be like, wow, he might actually be good. I don't have to I don't have to fake it this time. Now that Matt Saracen's on the back on the bench where he belongs. And I've already forgotten uh, the dude's name, so I called him Matt Saracen. I already forgot his name. The guy that was the underdog story who was starting. Stetson Bennett, that's his name. Yeah, Stetson. Good old Stetson. Stetson Barnett Bennett, back on the bench. Um, Levon, Chris, put respect on other teams in college football because nobody's really good to be respectful. All right, so Georgia squeaked by Mississippi State, kind of, by touchdown, 31-24. JT Daniels, 28 for 38, 401 yards, four touchdowns. Go ahead, Chris. For real? For real this time. <laughs> next next year, I promise you, is our year. Like, it just – I I was not happy watching that game for the majority of the game. But at the same time, that was probably the most fun I've had watching a Georgia football game in a long time. And we'll see this week against South Carolina if this JT Daniels fellow is the real deal. But as of now, Georgia's going to win the national championship next year. No cap. Oh, my. All right. So, (laughs) y'all still squeaked by a terrible Mississippi State team. Yeah. Um, And y'all had 12 total yards on the ground rushing. That's what the what the hell, bro. I'll tell you what the hell. So, I mean, Mississippi State. Yes, it was pitiful, and that that's one of the reasons I was pissed off during the game. Like, we started off moving the ball on the ground just a little bit. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Mississippi State. They pretty much said, "Screw the passing game. All we're gonna do is we're gonna stunt and we're gonna blitz. We're gonna put seven, eight hats in the box." every single play, and we're going to shut down the run because we know Georgia can't pass. Well, turns out Georgia can kind of pass now, thank goodness. But I'm, I'm putting that all on the offensive line. And it, it's sort of on the running backs as well. But I just – I hate seeing how we go from Nick Chubb – no, let's go back. Uh, Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. Swift, Sony Michelle – and now we've got Zeus, who's a strong running back. I'm, I've been impressed with him all season, but it's just not the same, which I think that all ties back into the lack of a passing game this whole season. So, Zeus, is he Zamir? Is that Zamir White? Yeah. Yeah, so what's funny is Zamir had uh, – he had 11 carries for 21 yards, but y'all only got 12 total yards on the ground because uh, JT Daniels ran for exactly negative 21 yards washing Zeus's uh, yards. <clears throat> yeah, y'all got to – so the reason why I had Florida winning the SEC champ – I mean, yeah, winning the East, which I was right on, props to me. Um, the reason why I had them winning the East is because – I did not have Georgia playing well this year because y'all's offensive line. We talked about it. So it makes sense if y'all are I mean y'all are only using losing one guy next year, I think on the line. Is that right? Uh we're losing Ben Cleveland and maybe one more. Depends. So okay. they're they're young but, squad um, right now. Yeah. So you know what? 
I mean, I think y'all will be back on top in the East next year. I'm not going as far as in freaking Natty, but yeah, y- y'all will be in the East. No, on top. for real this year. <laughs> for real this time. George is bringing. George is bringing home some hardware. All right, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to make a bet in the future on this. On a future pod, and we gotta make a bet. All right, let's do it. Hey, go ahead too this weekend. If, I'm gonna cash it after you, bro. I'm gonna need you to put some uh, money down on Michigan next week for me to beat Ohio State. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I'll, I'll do the spread. <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna bet heavy this weekend. Oh yeah, but um, also looking at this Georgia game, what the hell happened to the defense? Like, I was so confident. Which I knew last year we had the best defense. I wasn't. I thought we'd have one of the best defenses this year, and there are a lot of injuries. Richard LeCount, Jordan Davis. That's your leader in the uh, secondary, and that's your leader on the defensive line. But and Monty Rice has been out with injury, but Georgia's defense is just bunky right now. Yeah, who's y'all's coordinator? Uh, not Munkin. Uh, shoot, if you didn't ask me, I was about to bring his name up. Dan Lanning, yeah, Lanning, who's also the linebacker coach. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just um, injuries have really hurt y'all, but I think just like of all the way around young team, right? Yeah, which next year the defense will be even younger. So we're probably the mm. oldest now that we've been in a while. Because we're going to lose Stokes, we'll lose LeCount. We'll lose Jordan Davis probably because he'll go high in the draft. Uh, we'll probably lose Monty Rice. We'll lose a lot of talent this year for sure. All right. Well, good luck with that Natty next year. Oh, dude, I'm not even worried. I'm not even worried. <laughs> Mike. See, this is this is why y'all can't have nice things. Y'all, y'all, y'all got a quarterback now, or y'all think y'all have one, which I think y'all do too, but – uh. Yeah, y'all got him for one game, barely squeaked by a team y'all should have blown out of the water, and all of a sudden next year's y'all year, y'all's here. I it love is, y'all, bro. y'all, you Georgia fans. Y'all are uh, y'all are the best. <laughs> we are, and we'll be the best once we hoist that trophy over there at the fifty-yard line next year in the Natty. Okay. Next year, I'll, next year I'm gonna be pulling Nick Saban quotes. Find someone, we'll play. We'll play anybody you can find us to play. That's going <laughs> to be us next year. <laughs> All right. So, uh, for real Georgia this time, be, is Georgia going to be South Carolina this weekend? Oh, yeah. Especially, uh, I mean, they've had a lot of opt outs following the Will Muschamp situation. And I just don't see South Carolina. I think the game line, the lines at like 20, 21 or 24, which that really means nothing to Georgia because Georgia never covers. So I hate betting on Georgia, but I, I don't see South Carolina coming with anything. Like, yeah. It, Do you, it will uh, be, I was going to say it will be interesting to see Bobo versus Kirby, though. Yeah, it w- Yeah, that will be. That will be. Um, have you bet on Alabama all this year? Because I've heard uh, Alabama's covered the spread every game this year so far. Yeah, I generally bet all the SEC games and then four or five other big games or games where I can win some money. Heard so, that. Well, go ahead. I was going to say, I can always guarantee or always feel confident betting Alabama, even though I'm not going to win much money. Yeah, it's – yeah. Definitely it's got enough to – Yeah, it's enough to keep feeding my addiction. Yeah. 
It's like winning a free free ticket on a scratch off without Alabama. Oh yeah, just, just turn right back around, and get some more. All right. So speaking of South Carolina, they finally let go of the guy you've been so high on throughout his tenure. I feel like you have been, and you picked him uh, a couple of games, at least one or two games this year, uh, with the Will Muschamp factor. Um, yeah, he's gone from South Carolina, which so Will, Will Muschamp, back when he was at Texas, coaching the defense under Matt Brown, we all thought he was going to be the next great uh, head coach. Uh, he was going to uh, succeed Matt Brown taking over that program and keep him winning. And, of course, that's not the way it went. He ended up going to Florida. Um, and it's been – his career has been downhill from there. So, do you have any initial thoughts on it? I mean, it's kind of a surprise to me that they decided to let him go. Uh, it wasn't much of a surprise for me because I actually – I don't know if you remember this. I actually pretty much forecasted this when South Carolina was playing Vandy. I was saying this is a must-win for Muschamp. Because if not, Muschamp oh. will probably get fired. And then I also said, because Titus was on the pod with us that night, and he said, "But yeah, but who are they going to get to coach? And I suggested Mike Bobo. And sure enough, so you can call me not the expert of oh. the week. Or the expert of the week. This week. Okay, I'm going to have to go back and see if I can find that, maybe plug it in here. My bad. So I do remember you talking about Will Muschamp, but I just had it completely twisted. For some reason, I thought – uh, you were being high on him, but it's the exact opposite. And I thought you, but now that you say that, I do remember you saying it, and I thought you were kind of dumb for giving that take. But shout out to you. Shout out to me. Blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Yeah. the I mean, the only thing that I thought was going to keep uh, Muschamp there was he's been doing pretty good on the recruiting trail. Uh He's been pulling some five stars, like one or two each year, and he keeps them in the top, like, 20 every year. But that's about all he's been able to do. Yeah, and it's, but with, it's, not, it's not easy having Clemson in the same state. He's been having yeah, to go out of state to go find some talent. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, South Carolina is kind of a tricky one because you also kind of have to compete with North Carolina, and North Carolina's got a crap load of universities in that state you got to compete with. Um, let's see. Oh, so would Will Muschamp out? I did a little digging. So far, they have confirmed – I think they've confirmed that they've already had two interviews uh, with two different guys. One was or is Billy Napier, which is the brother of – well, he's not a hometown guy, but he's here in LaGrange. Matt Napier, uh, head coach of LaGrange Chaw, he's turned that program around. To, they're back in the playoffs this year, first time, <laughs> long time. Um, that is my goal. I got to – I want to sit down with that guy soon and get an interview with him because I, I really want to – I'm genuinely interested – um, about a lot of things with a lot of things about him, but uh, yeah, I kind of want to see what his future holds because his brother Billy uh, has been coaching on the collegiate level for a while now, um, and he had a long stint at Alabama as positions coach. So yeah, shout out to Billy Napier. Jeremy Chadwell is the other guy they've interviewed, and he's the Coastal Carolina coach. And that coach has got their program undefeated and in the top 25. And isn't it scheduled? Isn't uh, it Jamie? Jamie Chadwell, I think. Yeah, what I, what I say? Jeremy. Uh, I said Jeremy. Yeah, it is Jamie. You're right. And then – there was reported interest, like right when Muschamp got fired, everybody was saying they were pretty much South Carolina was doing the Auburn thing. We want Hugh Freeze. And then I don't know if they're still interested in him or have even been able to talk to him, but Hugh Freeze said in a press conference he's not going anywhere. So he may be right. But they plan on interviewing Jeff Munkin, the uh, head coach of Army, who's doing really well this year. They're not going to bring the triple option over there, though. 
Yeah, true. But I don't think I don't think Jeff Munkin's really tied to the triple option like that, is he? I mean, that's is what he they related to Todd Munkin. Yeah, that's his, so. that's his brother. I'm pretty sure. Okay. But yeah, I feel like uh, when you go to Army, you have to run the triple option. <laughs> yeah, you're limited on size and talent there. I mean, they do it at all academies. Yeah, I feel like uh, it's kind of uh, the tradition. You know, they're not they're all, they'll always be independent because that's a tradition, and they'll always run the triple options because that's the tradition. That's good old fashioned football right there at the Veer. Uh, along with Jeff Munkin, they're also looking at Scott Sattersfield, Louisville head coach, and Oklahoma assistant uh, Shane Beamer, which is Frank Beamer's son, bring Beamer ball to uh, South Carolina. But either way they do this, South Carolina is going to remain where they've been, a roadblock, sort of. Yeah, they're good for a game or two each year, or a year, yeah. a game to upset someone each year. That's really about all they can provide. Yeah, I think Steve Spurrier, he put that program on the map. Very, I mean, the youngest program in SEC football. And I think he, they've topped out. He brought them to the highest of heights that they can reach, and that's about it. So whatever they do, good luck. Not not much is going to come out of it anyways. I've also heard talk that Steve Sarkeesian might be a prospect. That okay. Arkansas yeah. offensive uh, coordinator. Who, Steve Sarkeesian? I mean, Alabama. I don't know why it's yeah, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alabama. Yeah, so I have heard his name um, being thrown out there. Not – well, and for just different – in general, for the coaching carousel coming up. So, yeah, Steve Sarkeesian, I wouldn't doubt it. That wouldn't be a bad move. That actually probably could be the best move. Probably. Still won't beat Alabama just because Saban's on that contract, but. Yeah. I think still it'll be Lane Kiffin. That'll be the first uh, successor to beat him. I think South Carolina did it right, though, in their timing. I know. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, because they're pretty much the first team, first school with an open position. So they can get a lay of the land pretty quick. Um, and I was also surprised they came up with the, what was it, 13 million? Is that what the yeah, buyout the was? Buyout. Yeah. yeah. Especially because I listened to, uh, is their athletic director, uh, forget the dude's name, but he was talking like money was really tight and the fact that they were able to come up I think it was from like two donors um who wound up paying it but they're they're definitely not going to be able to get a big name because of it because of the pandemic and everything well I, I mean I think they'll get I think all the names we just listed are pretty I mean they're the typical guys you would go after these smaller programs uh you know, that have success this year under their current head coaches. But I don't know if it's like, say, I don't think Steve Sarkeesian really has to walk away for a lot of money. It's just more of, I think these coaches are more concerned with going to the right big name program at the right time, you know, stuff like that. So I don't think the, the money will eventually come, even if they have to load ball you at first. Mentioned Brent Venables. Because I've also heard, heard his name song. Good. They need to, man, because they have not been able to rip that guy out of Clemson yet, and they should have done that a long time ago. So I'm ready for that man to leave. Yeah. He's kind of stuck on Dabo's tit right now. Yeah, well, I don't – his son's now playing at Clemson. Uh, I don't know what year he is. So I think he, he's it. a junior probably, I think. Okay. Yeah, son's starting linebacker, and he's not that great. He's slow, can't move uh, laterally. Yeah, there's definitely some nepotism yeah. uh, going on at Clemson right now. Yeah, I told Titus Clemson is definitely underwhelming this year, and when I first watched them, when I finally got a chance to sit down and really watch them, 
I noticed how many white guys they had playing on defense. And I was like, oh, okay, these guys can be exposed because they're all in the secondary. They're all at linebacker yeah. in the secondary. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. All right, so we'll finish it out with picks, big game picks. Uh, some of the notable games, number two, Notre Dame versus number 25, North Carolina. Will this be the little trip-up game that Notre Dame usually has? Or will they remain undefeated? No, I'm, this is going to be the trip-up game. Oh. Yeah, I'm trying to pull hmm. up the, uh, the spread. The spread? I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Notre Dame on this one still. Yeah, just I just don't... I kind of want them to. I kind of want them to stay undefeated going in to play Clemson. No, I don't. I want to see Notre Dame gone. <laughs> I hate Notre. But Dame. I know there's such an easy out though in the playoffs. I'm okay with that. That just gets so boring though. I hate seeing a team get in there and get blown out. Yeah, uh, it's whatever. It's I mean, it's we get at least one of those every year now in the playoffs in the first round. Oh, uh, all right, Iowa State, Texas, fifteen, number fifteen, Iowa State, number twenty, Texas. Uh, I'm probably gonna go Texas here. Yeah, I'm gonna go Texas too. I'm just gonna go with the more talented team. Yeah, Iowa State just. I don't think they have the, the capabilities. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I may have this wrong or I might be right. Let's see. Is it Northwest? Is Northwestern playing Michigan State this week? Because I thought Ohio State was playing them this week. Let's see. Oh, son of a butt. My laptop just crashed. Yeah, oh, it didn't. Well, we got Northwestern Michigan State. I'm going to take Michigan State in this one. I think they'll uh, they'll come through with it. They're playing who? Michigan State? Yeah. This will be the trip-up game. They're riding high, so now they're going to fall. Uh, it could happen. I hope they lose. LSU, Texas A&M. Upset? Uh, no, no. Yeah, I don't. I I don't think so no. either. No, it'll be. It'll be close for a quarter or two. I think it's going to be one of those like uh, like thirty-seven to thirteen kind of games. Yeah. Uh. Illinois, Ohio State. I feel like Illinois can make this a pretty close game. Yeah, they're riding high after uh, their big one in Nebraska last weekend. Yeah, so, against I mean, a very tough Nebraska team. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. So, and Ohio State's only a twenty-eight and a half favorite point favorite right now. So, <laughs> yeah, I saw um, they got like a ninety-eight percent chance of winning this game. Yeah, I'm definitely okay. putting money on Illinois to cover. Bet. Yeah, I think they'll be okay putting up some points against them because uh, Ohio State secondary does not look good. All right, last game to pick. Iron Bowl, Auburn, Alabama. I got Alabama. Uh, Are you taking uh, Auburn? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll take Auburn. For the spread or upright? Or Both. outright? Both. Oh, oh. I mean, it's a it's a 24-and-a-half-point spread. So, I mean, well, I don't know. If they don't cover the spread, if they, if they cover the spread, they'll win. But if they can't cover the spread, obviously they got dominated. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I think they're not going to be able to outscore us. They'll be able to put points up on the board, but we're going to put more up. 
Yeah, it's – I just don't see – unless Mac Jones has a repeat of last year, I just don't see how this will – also, uh, a sleeper game or my lock of the week, I'm going to take Kentucky over Florida. Ooh. Because Kentucky, for some odd reason, these past few years has always been the team that was capable of beating Florida. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, that uh, rivalry, I mean, it's kind of turned into a rivalry as of late just because the uh, weird games that's gone yeah, on def- recently. Definitely for Kentucky it has. And I hate I hate that we're sitting here at Thanksgiving and normally we have a couple games on Thursday. We have some games on Friday and it being rivalry week. But, but we're not, not getting that this year. Yeah, I hate it. I hate COVID so much. Yeah, it sucks. At least it's it'll ridiculous. all disappear with this next president. Yeah. Just, just Thank poof. God. Thank you, Jesus. Retweet. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus Biden. All right. Well, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, Alabama tipped off not too long ago. So I'm about to dive into this and watch that. So, yeah, everybody listening out there, if you haven't heard it yet, you're hearing it now for the first time. Alabama basketball, we on some hot ish. We about to kick Auburn out uh, and reign supreme in the state in both basketball and and uh, football, along with golf, softball. You know, all that success, other good stuff. Success breeds success. Exactly, excellence. Yeah, but for real, everybody be on the lookout for Alabama. Uh, our recruiting class is looking hot, too. We got uh, the number one point guard in the nation song with us, five-star. And we got two four-stars committed. And we're looking like we're going to get another five-star guy. And we're going to launch up into the uh, top ten in recruiting. So, uh, yeah, shout-out to Alabama. Since you brought up uh, college basketball, did you see what South Carolina's girls team did today? No. 119 to like 33, 32 or 33. Good Lord. Yeah. In a, even... <laughs> in a woman's college basketball game. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't really surprise me. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think they could score that many. I guess I yeah. well, should, should stop here before I lose you. <laughs> South Carolina's uh, women's basketball program is pretty good. But yeah, 119 is surprising. You don't even see I mean, the 119. Guys do that. Yeah, you don't even see the guy. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. But it's very hard to score 119 in a men's college basketball game. So, yeah, that that is very impressive. Well, at least South Carolina, they just need to get the women's coach out there to coach the football team. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. Probably that's save exactly a lot of money with that hire. Yeah, probably. Or get their <laughs> men's basketball coach, Frank Martin. Uh, He's turned that basketball program around, too. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up right there. Chris, as always, I appreciate it, sir. Appreciate you.